Welcome back to the Yoga Girl podcast. On today's episode of the show, I introduce a brand new segment called Ask Rachel. In this new segment, I ask questions from you. Yes, that's right. You can call in, leave a voice message with something you've been contemplating or something you want advice on, and then you might just hear your voice and my answer to your question on the next episode of the Yoga Girl podcast. I had so much fun answering some of your questions this week. We talk about everything from how to find hope in challenging times. I share my top three favorite books and book recommendations that I really want you to read. We talk about manifestation and how to make our dreams come true when things feel like they're hard or taking too long. And we talk about wearing our heart on our sleeve, so how to move through life sensitive or maybe hearing that we're too nice. I hope you enjoy this brand new segment. It was a lot of fun to record. Do scents evoke memories and transport you back to being on the beach during your favorite vacation? I know they do for me. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil smells like summer or the beach in Aruba, bottled with all natural uplifting notes of mango, mandarin, grapefruit, lime, and cypress. But it's not just about the elevated scent. This body oil is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deeply moisturize, leaving skin silky and soft. It delivers that coveted post-vacation glow, like you just returned from a tropical getaway. And right now, you can get 10% off your first order with our code YOGA at oseamalibu.com. I love Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I use it every single day and I have for so many years. It makes me feel silky smooth and just glowing. This body oil is rich but never greasy and clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. It visibly firms your skin, leaving you more sculpted and toned. No wonder I feel so great after using it. But it gets even better. With Osea, you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Osea's products are clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. They are a women-founded company that has been making seaweed-infused skincare for over 28 years. So bring on summer. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care at Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code YOGA at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Hello, 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 my loves. Welcome back to the show. It's time for a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. We uh, almost didn't have a podcast episode this week. I, I, I can't believe it, but almost, we almost did not have a show. I don't know what's going on with my brain, but I was going about my merry day today thinking it was Wednesday thinking I don't have any major deadline or anything, you know, and then it's 5 p.m. right now and out of the blue, it just dawns on me. Wait, it's Thursday. It's Thursday night and I didn't record this week's episode of the show. What? I uh, I don't know what would happen, to be honest. I have a, a friend of mine asked me the other day about my time off and taking vacation and just wondering, like, how do you schedule your time off, which I don't. And she said, but how long have you been recording the podcast? It's been so many years. I'm like, yeah, it's been five, five years and two months or five years and three months. And she was like, and you've never missed an episode? Like you never took a break from the podcast? And I'm like, no, should I be? Should I be taking breaks from, 
from the podcast that honestly, that thought just didn't, has never even occurred to me. I know um, there's a lot of podcasts out there that does seasons, which is kind of a cool idea. You can have a season of a podcast, decide how many episodes you want to do, and then you just take a season break and you decide whenever you want to come back. But I've never, you know, that's not how we do this show. And it is kind of wild, actually, to, to, to hold that for a moment, that for five years and three months, I have not ever once missed a week's episode. I feel, I feel kind of proud about that. Um, and this week was almost the week when that happened. So I'm, I'm glad I'm here now and I have my, my head screwed on straight. So where I'm sitting right now, it's actually pouring rain here. I don't know if you can hear it. Maybe if I get really quiet. I don't know if you can hear that that trickling coming from outside, but I'm looking out at one of our lemon trees. We have these two potted lemon trees on our patio, and I'm sitting here in my podcast chair looking at the rain, looking at this one lemon growing, <laughs> which is weird. Lemons are not supposed to grow in Sweden. It's weird. And um, yeah, I'm feeling lots of things today biggest feeling I think is gratitude right now. I'm holding a lot of gratitude in my body and in my heart for being here in this moment, getting to getting to talk to you. So I don't know if you caught this. I shared a while ago, this was something I only shared on Instagram. I haven't talked about it on the show, which is weird because it's on the show. I should be talking about it, but I just did a quick mention on Instagram story a little while ago that I don't know what year this was. I have a feeling it was maybe 2020, 2020, maybe. I don't know. A while back, I had this great idea, which I thought at the time was just this wonderful idea of adding a new segment to this podcast. So I really like, like podcasts that I listen to, I really like different themes and segments and different things that you can expect in podcasts. Now this show is only once a week. I don't have like a several episodes a week of this main show, but I just had this idea how, how fun it could be to break things up on the show a little bit once in a while with a segment where you guys get to ask me questions. I really love the idea of having this podcast become more of a dialogue, um, more of a conversation. And I really love hearing your voices and, you know, feeling a little bit less alone in this podcast chair, because most of the time I don't I don't sit down here once a week visualizing, you know, every single person on the other end. And it's not until after I've recorded the podcast and then I, I get the feedback from that and I talk to you online and on social media, then I feel that moment of, of great connection. But I very rarely get to be reminded of that when I'm in this chair as I'm recording. You know, I'm talking to you and I'm talking to myself and it's it's a sharing from the heart every week without a big agenda. And so I had this idea to start a segment called Ask Rachel, where you could call in on a specific number and ask your question. And we would play that question on the show. And then I would answer that question. And I had it kind of as an idea of, you know, that could create a whole topic of an, of a, of an entire episode, you know, just answering a question if it's a big one my take on big, big things in life. But it could also be cute, quirky little things, you know, and have these episodes or these segments be a little bit Q&A style, which I think could be really fun. But so this was a couple years ago, a while back. 
And I had this idea, I thought it was great, moved forward with it, talking to our podcast producers and the team and everyone thought this was a great idea. And someone even was like, oh, maybe that could be like a whole separate podcast. That sounds like so much fun and something people would enjoy. And then we went full steam ahead all the way up to the point of releasing it or kind of announcing it, because of course it relies on getting the questions from you. So I have to you know, let you know what phone number to call and how to send your questions in. And then I think I had this big moment where I realized just like this is, this is a lot. Probably this was middle of mold time. I think so. I don't think it was 2020. I think it was 2021. And it's sort of how I, sort of how I live my life or how I have lived my life in the past is I'll have a fun idea, just something that sounds like so much fun. And I'll kick that into being and get that started and get the balls rolling for it. And then it takes time to kind of tie everything together and make the whole project happen. And oftentimes by the time it's completed, I am busy with something else or I am tired because of something or I'm feeling overwhelmed with other things in my life. And it's like, oh, that thing that was so much fun then feels like a lot now. And I think this was in the middle of of us kind of not really having a place to live and moving from place to place and having that sort of stress. And I think I just stopped myself and went, okay, maybe now is not the best time to start a new thing, you know, in the middle of like a crisis. You don't have to start a new thing right now. Just hold on to it. You know, there's no deadline for this. No one knows it. It's it's about to exist even. So I just told the team, okay, we're not going to do it. We'll, we'll just take a pause, hit the brakes. This is not the timing. We'll do it another time. And then a couple of weeks back, I literally woke up in the morning one day remembering this segment idea that I had and went, well, why not now? Like now's, now's a great time to introduce something new and something fun on the show. And I feel energized and I feel inspired and creative and ready to go. So without further ado, oh my God, this is going to be the first episode. Welcome to Ask Rachel. So it's not a brand new episode in and of itself, but a segment on the show where you get to call in with your real voice, voicing your real question or opinion, or to start a discussion or, you know, give me feedback or ask that big question that you've been wondering about for so long or ask advice or whatever is on your heart. I have already received so many beautiful questions from you, and I'm going to play a couple of them on the show now. But if you want to ask your question, the number you call is plus one. This is an American number. So plus one, 720-443-1771. That's 720-443-1771. You have a one minute window to leave your question. So just say your name, where you're from, ask your question, and then you might just hear your voice on the next episode of the Yoga Girl podcast. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. 
They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Now to begin and officially kick off this segment called Ask Rachel, I have a just a big chunk of selections of questions that I received from calling this out on Instagram a little bit ago. And uh, they're not labeled anything. I have a Dropbox folder where I have all of these voice messages with questions in them. And instead of going through them one by one and picking a question, I feel I don't know. I feel I, I can answer well or anything like that. I, I was really reminded by our big circles that we used to hold in Luna Shala at Island Yoga, our yoga studio in Aruba, of sitting in circle in a teacher training or in a retreat or in a group and having that open healing space to talk to each other and to go deep into different topics and to ask questions. And my favorite part of those moments were always how in the moment they were right? I would never be able to answer a question that I knew was coming in, a, in the same way that I can answer it in the moment spoken just from the heart. And I think I, I just really want to align with that same energy here for the show. So I haven't heard these questions before. I'm going to pick one at random, see what comes and answer that in the moment. Let's go. Hi, my name is Fabienne. I'm from Germany and I would like to ask you what brings you hope right now? And thank you for answering. And I can't wait to see you live, to practice live with you in Sweden this summer. I'm so excited. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, hi, Fabienne. How are you? Oh, so good to hear your voice. And beautiful to hear that you're coming to Sweden. That is amazing. I can't wait to see you too. So the question is, what brings me hope right now? Mm. Immediately, I just closed my eyes and placed my hand to my heart because this is a, it's a really big question, you know, especially these days. The thing that brings me hope, the biggest thing, the most important thing that brings me hope right now is nature. And I get a little bit teary-eyed <laughs> even saying that because I feel so vulnerable in my connection with nature right now and, and the feelings I, f I feel in my heart for this earth, they are, they are really big and tender and, and soft and raw all at the same time. I feel so much hope when I spend time in nature and I'm reminded again and again 
of the resilience of nature and the natural order of things, how there is this absolutely natural regeneration that happens in nature all the time, no matter what we do. You know, we all know with the environmental crisis that's happening now, it's less about saving the planet and more about saving humanity. Because we all know that even if humanity completely self-destructs, what we are killing is ourselves and our future, the sustainability of our future on this planet. We're not killing the planet because we can't, you know, and it might take you know, thousands or millions of years might take a long, long, long time longer than our human minds can really grasp. But she will regenerate. She will heal herself. It might take a very long time, but she will heal herself no matter what we do to her. And there's something about that that for me feels brings me grief and brings me hope at the same time. You know, obviously, I, I hope we don't self-destruct. I hope we see something change and soon that we that this path that we're on right now that feels like a downward spiral into worse and worse and worse in terms of how we don't take care of nature, how we don't take care of this planet. My hope is that it takes us to something that feels like a rock bottom, but actually isn't, so that we can have that great collective turning point of, of aligning with a different form of life, right? One that isn't centered around capitalism and buying things and then discarding of things and then buying things again and, and all the harm that we do to this, to this beautiful home of ours. But some kind of major turning point that that brings us all together in a way that that moves us forward and toward the light. I hope that that's going to happen. I really do. But there's for me hope in the healing that nature does on on its own, on her own. You know, you hear these amazing stories of highways being completely overtaken and swallowed up by the Amazon. Oh, there's so many so many beautiful stories of how mankind have tried to destroy or put things into play that are really harmful and how nature has been able to reclaim and regenerate and recreate. Even the worst, most terrifying natural, you know, man-caused disasters that we've seen in terms of of the destruction of, of forests and trees and our oceans and there's there's just too much to count. We know that nature has her own intelligent way of healing herself. She just needs time. She needs reprieve and relief from the destruction that we're causing. And for me, there's something that reminds me of that great need for healing and that great possibility for regeneration. Every single time I plant a seed, into one of my garden beds. I'm reminded of that and I feel hopeful because there is an inherent trust in that, right? When I, when I plant a seed, it doesn't matter what kind of seed that is or how I sourced it or where I got it from. The moment I put that seed into the ground and into the earth, I can nourish that seed and speak kindly to that seed and water that seed and hope that that seed has everything it needs. But there is a massive component of letting go in every single seed 
that I plant because I can't will that seed to sprout. I can't force that seed to do what I'm hoping it's going to do, which is sprout and take roots and grow and become strong, right? I can't make that happen. There's really nothing I can do. And without me doing anything, that seed knows what to do. It's programmed into each seed that it knows exactly what it's need, what it needs. And in its own time, if the conditions are right, it will sprout. And if we look at life that way and we look at nature that way, everything about nature is hopeful. You know, think about this, the fact that we're sitting here breathing right now. The link and connection and relationship we have with trees for this to be possible for me to sit here and inhale and exhale. And there is hope in that. There's hope in, in nature for me. And if I go a little bit deeper here, you know, just, just hands to heart, there are, yeah, there are so many times when I feel hopeless. So many times <laughs> I feel hopeless, especially this past, yeah, this past year in particular. And we have to, I think, remind ourselves that there is a time for action and activity where actually the antidote to feeling hopeless is forward motion, doing something that puts us in a place where we feel actually purposeful, whether that thing is small or huge, but just some act of service toward that same cause or area of life where we're feeling hopeless in. And there are sometimes where what we need is just to be still, you know, to return to the things that bring us joy, the simple things, the deep breaths, walking through the woods, time spent with our kids. You know, there's a lot of hope in our children. And I sense that every time I, every moment I spend outside with my daughter, I feel hopeful watching her naturally interact and engage with nature. You know, how I don't have to tell her to be gentle or careful with certain things. This natural ability she has to make a connection and to form relationships with nature. Watching her talk to bugs and rocks and flowers and she names things. And I think it's it's an inherent part of our children as well. Just how seeds know how to sprout. It's in them. I think as children, we know how to take care of this earth. We're just programmed and conditioned early on to forget and to prioritize other things and to think that our worth and value lies someplace very different. And I think if we nourish that, that hope in each of our kids, hmm, there is something to look forward to, I think, in that. I'm hopeful. Let's go to the next question. Hi, Rachel. Uh, I am just uh, sending um, a great amount of uh, gratefulness for uh, everything that you're sharing with us in social media and for all the energy. And uh, I promise this will not take longer than a minute. It's already on 30 seconds, but... What I would like to ask you is, 
Why do some wishes, dreams, intentions and manifestations take so long time? And why are there so many obstacles? Uh, I mean, why does it sometimes take so long for them to come into this physical 3D uh, world dimension? And, and how can I accelerate this process? Thank you. Hi. Oh, thank you for your question. Hmm. How can we accelerate the process of manifestation? Well, that's a that's a really big question, and <laughs> uh, my immediate just feeling in my whole body as I hear this question is, no, we can't. <laughs> How can we accelerate the process of manifestation? Of course, the truth is we can. There are things we can do to make the things we long for and dream for happen with more intensity. But there are definitely moments and things that we long to create where that isn't possible. So I think the the interesting thing to contemplate here is when is it a time to actively work to move things forward to make the dream that you have happen? And what does it need? Or what do I need to take action in that forward motion? When is the time for that? And when is there a time to sit back and trust, to retreat a little bit, to let go a little bit? You know, there is a component, I think, of letting go in every manifestation. You know, we can take every single step that we can possibly take and do everything right and micromanage every little detail and get up every day and work as hard as we can for as long as we can to make this thing happen and it's gonna bring us to a point where we have to let go and trust <laughs> it brings me back to that first question or what we just spoke about about the seeds and trusting that the seeds will sprout well a dream is is a seed just like that and i think life will put us on a path that can bring us to the thing that we dream of, that we really want to make happen when the time is right. And certain things need certain timing. There are different things in life that require different moments in time for things to be fully aligned. And when I think back of my own life, oh, the amount of things I wanted to make happen but couldn't or felt like they took forever or abandoned along the way. I mean, honestly, there's there's probably too many to count. I am a very impatient person. So when I have an idea or a dream or something I want to manifest, my feeling is always I need this immediately now, you know. <laughs> which is good in some ways because I can, when it comes to the steps that are possible to take, that component of manifestation that we can control, I can rally that portion and have that whole thing happen very quickly in the doing and the action taking. But then inevitably, no matter what project it is or what dream it is I want to realize, I find myself rubbing up against something challenging. I come to a stop. I come to a, an inevitable place or almost like a fork in the road, but every direction I turn, I feel like there's a closed door there. And this is usually the time where I find myself in some despair, in some frustration and, you know, doubting the process. Why is this taking so long? Maybe it's not meant to be, maybe so and so and so. 
And I go through all of these roads in my very human mind of, well, if I try this, then maybe this would happen. Well, if only this could have worked out that way, or if only I had X, Y, and Z, then this would have happened already. When the truth is always, always, after we've gathered all the pieces of the puzzle, we have to have that time to step back. We have to have that time to pause and actually contemplate the work we are doing. We need that break and that, that moment to gather ourselves and to be reminded of why we started working toward that dream in the first place. And I find that the universe often likes to challenge us in that way. You know, can we be patient? Can we have this process become so joyful and feel so purposeful in and of itself that we start to let go of the destination a little bit? You know, I think that's that's a little bit part of it as well, that we can become very fixated on the end idea of what we are convinced of we need. And we forget the fact that there's actually a thousand different ways to get there. We are just focused on this one way. We think that life has to happen the way we have decided it because we like to control. It's comfortable to control. We like to we like to lull our, ourselves into the belief that we have a semblance of control, which of course we don't, you know, and I think life really likes to remind us of that fact that actually we are not in control and you can will this all you want, but if the time isn't right, the time isn't right. And sometimes it's that, that act of letting go in and of itself creates a softening that aligns us closer to the path of getting to where we want to go. You know, where there's a limit to how much we can work at something and just have that work be work, gripping tightly to that idea or that thing or those, those things we feel like we have to get done at all times and the idea of how other people should be supporting us in this way. And if only we had that and this, you know, it becomes or it can become very much a mind place where we are manifesting from this place inside of our heads versus manifesting from a place inside of our bodies, a place of presence and a place of intention where we remember why we want what we want, why we do what we do. So for me in my own personal experience, I have often find that when I get to a place and I feel like a dream just isn't happening or it's taking too long, sometimes the reason that is, is that it's not the right dream for me. And that's been true about a lot of different things in my life. Sometimes I start down a path and it's what I want and then enough time passes and I change or I grow or my circumstances change and actually the dream isn't the most aligned thing for me in that next moment. You know, sometimes I've missed an opportunity or lost an opportunity for something I really thought I wanted only to realize much later that, oh, but going down that road wouldn't have taken me where I really was supposed to be going. You know, that was old Rachel was heading down this track and old Rachel would have really wanted this thing to manifest. But this newer version of me, because I think we grow and become new versions of ourselves all the time, actually isn't in alignment with that dream. Doesn't have the emotional space, perhaps, to hold all the responsibilities that come with that dream being manifest. So sometimes I think that big long pause that can bring about frustration and where we, where we start to doubt can be because maybe we have grown, maybe we have changed 
And the dream that was our dream when we started working toward it perhaps isn't the next most aligned dream anymore. And life is giving us this opportunity to pause and take a breath and really evaluate, is this for me? And sometimes that pause really is there for the same reason, right? To give us space to evaluate, come back to our original intention and really get close to, well, how how aligned is this? How badly do I want it? How important? How urgent? Almost to reinvigorate our belief in that dream in the first place. And maybe even to challenge us a little bit to have to actually prove, you know, what are you willing to sacrifice to get here? When the going gets tough, which is always, oh, we always think that manifesting the thing, like making the thing happen in the first place, that's the heaviest part of the work. That's the most challenging thing. And oftentimes that's just the beginning, right? An example of this is um, when we built Island Yoga, we built our yoga studio in, in Aruba. It was a dream I'd had for years. It felt so, it felt so big this dream of building a yoga studio. Of course, it was a really big dream. Still, it is a bit, very big thing. But for me, it felt really emotionally big. And I really looked at that manifestation as a big Everest that I was climbing, you know, with all the planning and preparations and getting the money together and budgeting and pulling through construction and getting everything to happen, right? And I remember the finish line of this big dream that I had was the opening of the studio, teaching my first class in the Luna Shala, having our welcome party. We had a big celebration on our opening day, like an opening day party. And that was my goal image this whole time. And then we got there. The dream was manifest, right? The dream was alive. I made it happen. But that was actually the beginning of the really hard work. Running a yoga studio day to day sustainably is much more challenging than creating or building a studio from scratch I and at least in my own experience and I had a lot of those moments on the way there where I felt like things weren't going my way or I felt a lot of resistance and challenge and I really had to pause and question and it was in those big moments that I actually got to bring myself back to okay well what is it that we're really doing here and am I ready for that And again and again, I was kind of put against the wall with that question. Is this what you really want? How badly do you want it? And are you ready? And it was almost like the deeper I dug inside of myself to put the pieces together and to move the project forward, the more I felt aligned with my true feelings about about the studio. And in a lot of the things I had to figure out and solve and manage because of the challenges that we had in making this happen, I learned a lot of big, important qualities in that process that I needed to actually operate the studio later. So I really, really do believe, and I know this is so cliche, it really is, but what's meant for you won't miss. So if you have a dream out there and it's meant for you, it's not going to miss you. You're not going to not have that opportunity. You're not going to Find yourself at some moment and place in time where you are able to co-create this thing that you really dream for, that you're really longing for. If it's meant for you, it won't miss. And sometimes we just think we know more about the right timing of things than we actually do. Another, Another example I can give is a pretty recent one. A year ago when we were in Sweden, I fell in love with this little Airbnb that we found. 
in the middle of nowhere. I fell totally in love with this tiny little cabin on a lake. And I started planning out in my head how I was going to somehow figure out how to acquire this property and live there. And I went really far, actually, in my in my attempts to make this happen. And I started writing out, you know, a business plan and a proposal to give to the people I was hoping wanted to sell to me. And then how would we make a move happen? And then where would Leia go to school? And I had all of these pieces of the puzzle that I was moving forward, moving forward. Everything looked good, looked good, looked good until all of a sudden this door was slammed in my face. And at the time, it felt really awful. You know, I really felt I didn't have any sense of direction or even a place I wanted to live that wasn't that property. I was so sure that this was it. Oh, if this is not the place, then maybe Sweden isn't even for us. And it, it triggered this whole big thing, right? And of course, what I didn't know at the time was that there was a better property for us. There was something better coming, something that was in a better location, you know, closer to my family and that would align in so many ways that that other place didn't. But at the time, of course, I didn't know. So I think sometimes dreams take a really long time to make happen and we might even get a door closed. Well, hopefully because there's something better coming. And it requires us to be hopeful in that sense too, right? To trust that if this thing is taking too long and it's taking so long that I start to feel out of alignment or I'm starting to tire or I'm starting to grow resentful around the dream. Well, maybe this is life telling me that it's time to pivot because something better is on the horizon than this. Maybe you're not thinking big enough. You know, sometimes a dream is hard to manifest because we're playing really small and we're holding ourselves back and we're not stepping into the possibility of our fullest potential. It could be life telling you, hey, you can do bigger than this, you know, or to challenge us to think in different ways. I, um, I also do believe that if something isn't for us, you know, maybe it isn't timing, maybe it's not lack of of commitment, maybe everything feels aligned and it is something we really truly want. But no matter how hard we try, you know, we're just knocking on the same door and we're not getting that answer that we want. I think learning when to pivot is a really big component as well. Um, what is it that we are aligning with in the process that could turn into something that doesn't feel good inside anymore? You know, if the thing that you're wanting to make happen is starting to weigh really heavy or you're losing inspiration or excitement or, you know, something in there just isn't clicking anymore. But maybe we've put so much work into this dream, right? Like we can't stop now. Like we've come this far. I think in those big moments when we start to really doubt, when things feel really, really, really challenging, before we give up, right, before we before we surrender completely and go, okay, I'm going to put all of this down and go for something else. It could be really worthwhile to have someone else give their input. And I find that asking for help in ways we don't generally ask for help, asking for help in ways that requires us to be vulnerable and honest and true. You know, what if life is trying to bring you some really well-needed advice 
But for you to get to that place of actually be seeking advice out, you need to be in a place of doubt. Maybe life is putting you in that place of having to wait so long for this dream to manifest that you're starting to doubt the dream. And that doubt in and of itself leads you to seeking advice and leads you down paths you would not have gone down if everything felt easy and fine and rainbows and butterflies. So even in the doubting, even in the challenge, like there is, there is gold to be found in all of that. And I believe in you. I believe in your dream. I, I don't know what it is, but just hearing your voice and your energy as you ask that question, I, I believe in you. And I hope you believe in you too. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, Rachel. First of all, I just wanted to say I love your podcast. Like, I'm from Sweden as well, but I live in Australia and I've been following yeah, I've been following your journey for a very long time and I love it and I love you and what you stand for. So I just wanted to let you know that first. But I, my question is, if you had to pick three books that you think that everyone in the world should read, which books would you pick? So three books. I really want to read some new books and I want to read the ones you recommend. So please share them. Thank you so much. Bye. Aw, thank you for such a lovely message. Three books I want everyone to read. I immediately start like turning my head over to look at my at my bookshelf. But now let me close my eyes for this one. Hmm. So the first one that comes to mind, and I've had a similar answer to this question for many years because the books that really made a huge impact in my life are books I come back to again and again and they don't change. Those those books will always be my most important ones. But this book I want to lead with now is actually a new book for me. Um, I read it for the first time just a year ago, a little over a year ago, and it completely changed my life and sparked so much of how I'm living now and the alignment I'm wanting to make in life right now. And that book is Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. And um, I've talked about this book so many times on the show. So I hope by now <laughs> you've read it. I feel like I've shared it a million times on social media. I bought a whole stack of them. So when we have friends visiting, I can gift people braiding sweetgrass. I gave it to my brother for Christmas. I gave it to my dad for Christmas. I gave one to my grandma. I've gifted this book to the people in my life who I know feel really connected with nature because I know they are going to just soak up this book like a sponge. And I've gifted this book to people in my life who I feel could benefit from a deeper connection with nature. I'm hoping that this book could be the book that really changes their lives the way it changed mine. So if you haven't read it, Braiding Sweetgrass, it's a beautiful book 
by a beautiful woman who shares basically her own very unique but very heart opening. For me, it was just a revelation to read this connection between these worlds. Her view on our relationship to nature from both the lens of being a scientist and the lens of being an indigenous woman. So she's able to really marry this, you know, (laughs) mind-based idea of what we can see and what we can prove we know is as truth with indigenous tribal wisdom that came, that's been around since way before, you know, you needed a, a study to prove anything as true or a scientific research to take you down this road. She marries these two worlds in a way that makes everything feel so sacred. That science is sacred, indigenous wisdom is sacred, our our own connection to this world is sacred. The, the question I got in the very beginning about hope Uh, There's a chapter in the book, I forget the name of the chapter, but she talks about this massive destruction of a lake. Uh, I think it's called the Onondaga Lake. This massive destruction of this lake where a chemical plant just completely destroys not just the lake, but the community and the surrounding areas as well. And in this chapter, she shares the pain and the grief and the heartache of that, and then also how with with enough time, nature starts to come back to life, even in the most dead looking places. And I cry reading that episode, reading that. (laughs) I cry reading that chapter, um, because it's so painful. And it's so beautiful how everything wants to be alive. There is a that natural order of, of nature and ecology, it wants to find its way back into balance. And if we get out of the way enough, that will happen on its own. So anyway, I'm rambling now, but I'm very passionate about this book. Please read it, Braiding Sweetgrass. It is amazing. And then for my second book, actually, I'm going to say Be Here Now by Ram Das. I've also talked about many, many times, but I was up in our garage just yesterday looking for something. We still, we haven't really, the last things that came with us from Aruba, we haven't unpacked. Uh, our house is so very small, but I was looking for a picture that I've been, I haven't been able to find. And as I was looking for that picture, I found my box of books that I brought and be here now was up at the very top. And I went, oh, how did I, how did I live six months in Sweden without be here now? It's normally a book I read every month. It's like an ongoing, one of those books that is just an ongoing read that I can sit down and open at any page and find a big takeaway or a big anchor or a big something, you know, so be here now. Yeah, it's a, it's a heart, heart book, that one. And then for a third one, I immediately think of three, but the power of now. It's one of those books, also kind of an ongoing read. Um, that was the book that sparked, I think, the biggest inner shift inside of me back when I was 18 years old and just starting down this this journey. Um, it it completely shifted my perception and understanding of presence and gave me so many tools around how to be present in my body, how to really make my way to this moment. It was one of those, you know, you read a book or you read something and it just blows the top of your head off. Like it was that kind of experience. 
And uh, it's remained that kind of experience for me ever since. So those are my top threes for today. If you ask me next week, probably I'll answer in a different way. I have so many books that are very important to me in my journey. But yes, Braiding Sweetgrass, Be Here Now, and Power of Now. Top three. So this feels very strange, but um, the question that I am looking to ask is a result of following you for a few years and seeing you navigate the highs and lows of life. And it seems to me like oftentimes after experiencing a very big high in life, like a big job win, a great vacation, um, you know, really good things happening, that I experience a low. And I was just curious, as I've seen you go through so many highs and lows, what the best way that you find yourself navigating these lows, these valleys, in life. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, thank you so much. What a what a what a what an important question. Really, really an important question. I think when we live in a society like the one we live in now, where we are taught at a very young age and deeply conditioned to go for the thing that brings happiness. To to be joyful, for things to go well, to feel beautiful, for everything to exist, you know, for life to exist on that side of the spectrum where everything is great all the time, where we're, we're fine all the time. We are so rewarded, you know, from a young age, whenever we are happy and whenever we are following along and expressing emotions like joy and happiness and gratitude, And whenever we venture off to the other side of the spectrum and we go toward grief or we go toward frustration or resentment or anger or stagnation or anything that doesn't feel good, right? We go to that other side of the spectrum. We're so conditioned to believe that something is wrong, right? So um, I'm happy. Things are going well. Well, meaning the way I decide for them to be in my head this is good, here I want to exist. And then I'm feeling grief or I'm feeling low or I'm sad or I'm stuck or things are not aligning the way I had them in my head. This is bad. Get me away from here. And of course, you know, there's a a side of us that would love to have things go beautiful all the time and to be happy all the time. But there's also something very superficial about that. Imagine life as one long vacation, nothing to figure out, nothing to solve, nothing to heal, nothing to journey deeper into, nothing, you know, if there was nothing to pull us down into that, you know, like there's a down and there's an up, we would not have anything to look forward to in life. How flat life would be. How flat life would be if it was an endless vacation with nothing to figure out. And when we have this looking that things are supposed to be this way and everything that isn't this way, easy going and happy and joyful, that's wrong and bad. And immediately, whenever we end up in a space like that, our whole entire systems go off and go, oh my God, something is wrong. We are doing something wrong. We're not measuring up. We're not succeeding enough. We're not applying ourselves enough. We're not smart enough. We're not so-and-so enough. And we really 
uphold that entire situation as if we are the ones responsible for every single thing that comes our way in life. And we are the ones to blame. We are the ones who should feel guilt or shame if things don't work out the way we wanted them to. And it's so hard for us to dwell in the discomfort of the low that we immediately launch into, why is this happening? This is pointless. Get me out of here, you know? And I'm not sharing this as if, you know, I somehow am, am above that. If you listen to this podcast, you know I struggle with this immensely, immensely of navigating the lows with some grace. I think that's the one thing we can really wish for, you know, not to make the lows and the challenges go away and for everything to become this one flat line of life, but for some grace in those challenging times. Hopefully some tools around how to navigate those times. But so reminding ourselves that whenever we end up in a place that feels like a low, that it's not our fault that we all of a sudden feel like we don't have any tools to deal with that. It's not because of something we have done wrong that all of a sudden we feel deeply uncomfortable or we feel like we can't manage this idea that everything you know lives or dies depending on our actions like it's just not true but we feel that way it's a human thing to feel that way so feeling like something is wrong and we have to fix it is what's making it so incredibly hard to allow ourselves to dwell and exist and just be in the lower times Imagine that. Imagine if you have this amazing high, you have an amazing vacation or a promotion or completing something. Whoa. And imagine having to stay at that level at all times. Just thinking about that, thinking about how I am when I am in peak, you know, joy or peak vacation, project completion, celebration mode. Imagine remaining in that space, that energy for your system, for your body, for your future. Because what does that mean? It means for you to get to a level of excitement again, you have to raise the bar even higher. So what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean a a more extravagant vacation or completing a bigger project or, you know, there's a lot of doing that comes attached to those big milestones. And there is in the lower moments where we might feel heavier or tired or like things aren't working out for us, in those moments, those are also moments to go inward and to gather energy. We can't have that outward motion, extroverted, taking in all the energy from all the places all the times, that that high feeling. We can't exist in that all the time. We need to go into the low, into another vibration, you know, to explore something else. And it's a very human experience of life to have all the feelings on the spectrum. And maybe even, you know, not that we have to expect a low after every high, because that doesn't have to be the case at all. But even anticipating the fact that lows are going to come. Not becoming so shocked and so thrown out of the, oh my God, what is happening? The next time we end up in a low place in our lives. What if we knew that the lows are as important and as valuable as the highs? And what if we started anticipating them a little bit so that when they arrive, we feel like they are arriving gently, you know, 
In every low, in every challenge, in every hard thing we face, there is a learning and there is a growth and there is a healing. And that's why we need to go back and tap into that place again and again so that we continue to heal, so that we don't stagnate, you know, so that we continue to grow. And I think allowing ourselves that grace of holding ourselves where we are instead of trying to fix the thing or escape the thing, quitting that thinking of something's terribly wrong, you know, just because we are in one of the lulls, we are in a valley instead of on the mountaintop, that actually nothing is wrong. The fact that you're in a low now means that life is flowing and you're just in the low, similarly to how you were just in the high. And trusting that that high will come again, just like that low will come again, and then the high will come again, and then the low will come again. And that is life. And that is life. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, my name is Amy from Wisconsin, and my question is, this week you're talking about embracing your sensitive side. I am a very sensitive person, and I get a lot of feedback, whether it's from work um, or in my personal life, that I am too nice. I'm a manager, and um, this is sometimes seen as a fault that I am too nice. Um, I was wondering what would your response be if you were receiving that feedback? I see being too nice as a plus, and I don't know if I want to change that about myself. Thank you. Bye. Wow. Oh, I'm just holding my heart. I'm oh, loving, loving the energy in your voice as you ask this question. At the very end, I really sense this assertiveness in you, you know, saying you don't want to change this about yourself. And you actually see it as a strength. So I think the question is less about how to navigate when people tell you that you're too nice. And more, how can I set a boundary here? Okay, forgive me if I'm not getting this right, but that's the feeling that I that I really get from you just listening to you phrase this question. You already know that the the level of niceness in you and the sensitivity in you and vulnerability in you and how you wear your heart on your sleeve or the kindness you show to people, how you navigate the world being nice, you know already that this is your most authentic you. And you don't want to change that. You shouldn't change who you are for anyone. So rather than figuring out, you know, how to receive this or what to change with this, if it feels good and if it feels in alignment for you, I would love it if you contemplated for a little bit what it would feel like to set a boundary there at work. Because if they're saying, 
you're too nice. You know, too nice for what? Are you too nice for the company culture? <laughs> Are you too nice for the patriarchal structure that maybe is running the company or embedded in the company? Are you too nice for other people's disconnectedness or arrogance or, yeah, what, what does that mean? I would, I would love to challenge them a little bit with that too nice. I think one big thing uh, could be to ask for more specific feedback. And I think this is something around, around giving people advice and telling people how to change and what to do that we get wrong so often is first of all, we should never give another person feedback if it's not solicited. So if it's not asked for. So in these settings, have you asked what is something you feel I could change about myself to be better at my job or to better fit into this position or this culture? Did you say, I would love to hear some constructive feedback on how I can improve here? You know, is that feedback, are you able to receive it? Are you in a place where you want to receive it? Because if not, it shouldn't be given to you if it's not appropriate. Um, so that's one thing. And then to ask for that feedback to be specific um, saying you are too nice doesn't really say anything <laughs> other than pose a lot of other questions around, well, what does too nice actually mean? What is this company really about? I bet that underneath that, that idea that they have constructed in their own heads based on their own fears and judgments and conditionings, and you know, that of course have nothing to do with you. Beneath that, probably there is some specific shift in behavior or in response or in outcome or in something around relating or I don't know what it is about, but there's some specific behavior that they are either looking for or that they feel is unwanted. So having that feedback be more specific as in, you know, in what scenarios would you like to see me do something different? You know, maybe they want you to set bigger boundaries with your employees or with your people, or they have a firm outcome or something that they really want to have happen. Well, then it would be really beneficial to know the specifics around that. And what are they ask, actually asking of you? Are they asking you to put on a mask and be someone you're not? Are they asking you to carry a harsher tone when you speak to people on your team? Are they asking you to draw boundaries? Are they asking you to meet deadlines? to challenge something, you know, there's something specific in there. And I feel like it could be helpful to find out what the ask actually is, because then you can decide if it's something that you want to accommodate or not. So setting a boundary in a situation like this could look like, um, I don't appreciate you giving me unsolicited feedback around my personality or, or, or saying, I don't, I don't appreciate hearing I am too nice. I appreciate and value my sensitivity. And if you have specific feedback you'd like to give around my performance in any way, I welcome it in this form. And at this time, you know, you can email me about it in the next week, or we can meet and talk about that. Or um, yeah, sorry if this is not the not the the answer that you were looking for, but definitely sounds like a boundary could be really good there. Because that's a pretty uncool thing to say to somebody, excuse me, and also to me, hearing too nice, you know, in this world probably means that you're just a regular human being with a heart, that you feel things for other people. Too nice, you know, in the corporate culture, especially, I don't know if this is a corporate environment, but being too nice probably is being just a decent human being, you know. And I think we probably all really need your niceness. So thank you for your sensitivity 
And thank you for being a nice person. I so appreciate you and see you. Okay, we're going to do one last question. Hi, Rachel. My name is Alejandra, and I would love to get your opinion on my situation. I unfortunately lost both my parents to lung cancer about five years ago. And now the boyfriend I'm with also smokes cigarettes. And I lost my parents due to smoking cigarettes. And I love my boyfriend, but unfortunately, I am feeling super triggered by the lack of awareness he has towards his health. And I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Would you try to help and change the person? Would you let it go? What would you do? Thank you. Hi, Alejandra. Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. So, so sorry for your loss. I, uh, I definitely see the, the conundrum in the situation. First of all, do you feel like it is a coincidence that you are with this partner? That this is your man, that this is your guy? Or do you sense a bit of purpose or a bit of direction in there? That there is perhaps something in this that could lead to healing of some kind? It's so beautiful. I really think how our inner intelligence works and how it aligns with life in bringing us situations to heal them again and again. How we can find ourselves in scenarios that feel very similar, dynamics that feel the same or relationships that feel the same or you know, situations in life that really remind us of another time. And I think our higher intelligence is trying to recreate the source of the wound so that it can heal it now with the tools that we have more readily available now. So whatever the hurt was, small or large, I think it's common if we haven't been able to process and heal and we're still really hurting from that experience that we will find ourselves in a similar place or with something that reminds us of that as an opportunity to heal what we couldn't heal then now. So if you can anchor in, if this feels true for you, of course, I don't know if it does, but if possible, if there is a place of a bit more trust and faith in that the scenario is not random, that this is not some kind of punishment, you know, from God or from great spirit, that it's not something that isn't supposed to be, you know, if you're thinking, why can't I just met a guy who wasn't a smoker, you know, oh, what's the point that there is a higher purpose in this? that there absolutely is, that this scenario is here in your life to heal something. And uh, I, I actually relate or resonate a lot with what this feeling that you explain around um, the lack of care for health in your, in your partner. I feel like this about Dennis a lot. And although, you know, overall, he's a fairly healthy guy, he trains a lot and moves his body a lot. He does go through kind of deep cycles where he doesn't care in any way what goes into his system, where I have to remind him to drink water or he doesn't drink water at all. This, this lack for fundamental care of, of the self, of the body, I can feel saddened by that and triggered by that. And um, yeah, sometimes I try to baby him and if I, you know, I, I put everything in front of him so he has what he needs and I'll put the vitamin in his mouth and give him a glass of water you know it's like please take care of yourself but at the end of the day at the end of it all there is nothing I can do to change that you know I can give him a couple of glasses of water every day it's not going to change 
fundamentally change how he looks at himself, how focused he is on what I perceive to be important things for his health, um, how he moves through his day, what he finds valuable, what he prioritizes. I have no say in that. And I can kid myself into thinking that I do and try to control him and try to micromanage him and try to get him to change, but he's not going to. We can't change other people. And we know this, but I think we need to hear it every day. We can't change other people. And it's not from our lack of trying, but we can't. Now, people can change themselves. We can change our own habits. We can change our own priorities. We can change our routines and things in our day-to-day. There's a lot of things that we do control in our own lives. But the person who does the healing is me. The person who does the changing and the growing, uh, you know, evolves is me and no one else. So I have sort of accepted in myself now that I have to find and decide inside of myself what I want to feel responsible for and what I don't to not venture off into a place that feels like resentment uh, because that that's what happens. If I decide, okay, well, now I'm going to take really good care of his health and I'm going to make sure he never gets ill he stays healthy for a long time and all these things that I'm thinking about a lot. Um, So I'm going to give him these supplements every day and give him this water to drink every day and remind him of that and try to make him eat more of this. There comes a point where if I take that on and actually kid myself into thinking that I'm going to make a difference and also putting myself in this place like I know what's best, you know, that, that, which is also not, not necessarily true. Just because I think that this is what's best for his health doesn't mean that it is. I am not in his body. I am not having his experiences. I don't know what he needs. I can imagine that he needs to drink more water in a day, but I can't fully know, right? I don't sense his thirst. And putting ourselves in a place where we feel like we we know better, that we know their health and we know their body better than they do, that is just a very arrogant and untrue place to be. Because it's also telling our people that we don't trust them, you know, that we lack this fundamental sense of trust in their ability to make good choices and their ability to take care of themselves. And I think whatever the outcome we're looking for in our relationships, trusting our partner is a crucial, crucial thing. And if we kind of try to bang this thing over their heads that they're making bad choices and they need to stop. We're inherently telling them, well, I don't trust you. You know, I don't trust you to make good choices. Well, what else don't we trust? I don't trust you to take care of yourself. Okay, well, what else don't you trust? There's a lack of of trust here. Like, like almost like I think I know how Dennis should better be Dennis in his life. And that's not true. Imagine if, you know, from the other end of it, if I think of what if he woke up in the morning and he was like, hey, don't forget to do this and do it now. And I think when I give him glasses of water, I think he really appreciates it. But when I don't buy the the fried foods that he really wants or the chips that he really wants, then it's like, hey, you know, I'm not your mom. Like we're married. Um, I can see that being frustrating or having something be a thing. And I think the freedom to live our lives the way we want to live our lives, we need to hold on to that autonomy and sovereignty for all it's worth. Um, That I do, that you do, that they do. But it's up to you to decide 
what you want present in your own life. So if it's, it's, I think, less about how do I make my partner change and more about what am I willing to allow in my life and what, what is okay with me and what isn't. It could be that somewhere deep inside you genuinely feel it is not okay to be a smoker. This is too triggering. It's re-traumatizing me. It's making me feel hopeless. It's lowering my sense of well-being in my day. Well, it's up to you to decide if that relationship is right, knowing those things. And it's up to you to decide if this is something that you can live with. Like, I love this person enough and the rest of the qualities that they have is enough. And I love the essence of them, not the, the accumulation of their habits in a day, a week or month. That he's a lot more and a lot bigger than just this one habit that he has. And maybe that love is, is big enough for that. Whether the choice is to change something, and that change is not going to be changing him, him changing, him changing his habits. The change would be changing the relationship, leaving the relationship, right? Or acceptance, that I am accepting him as he is with his habits and allowing for this and embracing this in my life. That acceptance has to come with genuine acceptance, right? So finding a place inside of yourself where you can drop that resentment, where it doesn't sit there kind of gnawing at you all the time. But I can see this being a, a really big thing, would be a big thing in anyone's life. And I think it's really valid that you're struggling with this and sitting with this and contemplating this. I think deep inside we, we know I really do. I think deep inside we know. So whatever practices help bring your innermost truthful voice out, I would come to those practices now as much as you can. Those things that you do, the experiences that you can invite and make space for that bring you to either a place of silence or depth, that place where you know you can hear your higher self speak those are the practices you want to be reaching for right now because there is a truth right there inside of you. And deep down, we already know. We do. Best of luck. I uh, am so enjoying this chat that we're having right now. I'm so deeply enjoying it. I feel like we could do another hour. I still have, I have a billion questions I could go through, but I really loved pulling these questions up before hearing them. Um, so having this be very much an in-the-moment, real-life segment. You can send your own questions in. I mentioned the number at the beginning of the show. I'll share it again. So you can leave a one-minute voice message at plus one. So that's in the U.S., plus one, 720-443-1771. One more time, you call 720-443-1771. Share your name, where you're from, and the question that you want to ask. I can't wait to continue this conversation with you. Thank you so much for being here with me. The Yoga Girl Podcast will be back next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, and wherever you normally get your shows. And of course, thank you to my sponsors. Please support them the way they support this podcast. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.